0: Thought Leadership Studio.
1: You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game. ...by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership.
0: Thought Leadership Studio.
1: Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and this is episode 44, interview with Zach Gutten of Think Alike Media on why great minds think alike and scripting the stories of marketing. So what this episode will do for you is discover how Zach's journey from screenplay writing shaped his expertise in creating compelling stories for marketing, to learn the art of story-driven marketing and how it can revolutionize your approach to reaching new customers, to understand the importance of identifying and addressing customer problems as a way to capture their attention and build a connection. Gain insights into the significance of being approachable and worth talking to, and uncover the essential components of a good story in the context of outbound selling. So, Zach Guten is a seasoned marketing strategist and sales expert with a remarkable track record in the media and entertainment industries. Formerly the vice president of sales at Final Draft Inc., where he played a pivotal role in driving significant revenue growth and spearheaded successful product launches. As the founder of Think Like Media, Zach has consulted with various organizations, revitalizing sales systems, and achieving impressive revenue increases. His expertise has been sought after by renowned industry brands, and he has a passion for helping companies thrive. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening on an app, make sure you also go to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. We've got a transcript with key points highlighted as a great summary, key visuals added to bring the story more to life, and resource links to resources of Zach's and also resources like the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, which is free and can help you with the building blocks of your own strategic thought leadership. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the interview with Zach. So I'm Chris McNeil, the host of Thought Leadership Studio, and I'm sitting here with the president and founder of Think Alike Media. Welcome, Zach. Thanks so much, Chris. Appreciate it. Fun to be here. Yeah, yeah, same and my understanding is that you are a master of storytelling and tell us a little bit about how you became a master of storytelling and how that has played into helping clients create stories
0: yeah you know we we our, my company is is called think alike media and, and the service uh, that we provide to clients we refer to it as story driven marketing you know, it, it'd be hard to call myself a master storyteller to the degree that some of the most creative people in the world are. But um, I think that my background in story—I I started my career uh, in, in journalism and then uh, uh, into screenwriting. Um, got to work in, in television and, and, and film, uh, and uh, and then also work with a company, uh, a technology that was uh, that served the creative community—screenwriters and, and filmmakers—and. Um, the, I started to see the connective tissue between the two, the way that you tell stories in, in journalism and through screenwriting, uh, they are dr- all stories, whatever medium they're in, are driven by problems and started to find that so are buying decisions. Um, businesses make buying decisions. People make decisions to solve problems. Uh, and if you can introduce those problems to people, they're ready to listen to solutions. If you lead with a solution, they may not understand that they have the problem in the first place and they might not listen. So you know, storytelling is really kind of helping people to relate to a problem, whether that's through a main character in a book or a movie, or a, a problem that a prospect in a sales campaign might have. If they recognize a problem, you're going to kind of catch their attention. And that gives you a chance to kind of show them solutions and tell a story.
1: So it's, it's kind of leading them on a journey rather than just saying,
0: here's what we've got. It's
1: more like, yeah. "Let's take let's take you on a journey to discover why you would possibly need what we have.
0: Absolutely, you know, we 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 say and we have one of our great examples we have a, a client who's a an executive kitchen based in the Bay Area of San, of uh, California and they serve a lot of big technology firms around Silicon Valley in terms of employee meal plans and they have these amazing menus that are uh, built through collaborations with um with the celebrity chefs and I always say like uh, I think most marketers would look at what they have and think lead with the menu. Lead with these very cool menus. Um, But if on the receiving end, you're not thinking about feeding your employees in the first place, what good is that menu? So instead, we always lead with kind of the taking care of their employees, Um, whether that's a a firm in biotech where their staff never got to go work remote. They've been in office the whole time. All their friends and family got to work from home for the last two years and shed those commutes. We can say that and kind of strike a nerve for the HR folks at those biotech firms to say your employees deserve to be fed well because they've stayed in the office during this period of time everyone else in their lives is working remotely, now they want to see the menu because now they understand that they need to do something for their employees. They understand the problem. Um, If they didn't understand that problem, they wouldn't care about the menus. And so the same is sort of true. We then, you know, different targets, different problems. When we moved into, uh, instead of biotech, into let's say big tech firms that largely for the last couple of years were working remotely, but at the turn of this year in Q1, started to bring them back. So different story to those people. Your, your staff has been working from home for two years. They've been in their pajama pants and, and, and making food at home, having whatever they want. You're going to bring them back on those commutes, build morale through some good food. And so we always want to start with the problem, start with the story. Um, and, and that's what sort of drives people to what's attractive about an offer from a business. So we really got to hit them where it hurts first.
1: Well, and it, and it gets torn evokes emotions, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you strike a nerve. And how many people just try to persuade or sell logically?
0: Yeah. And that's why I always say with that particular case too, I, it makes total sense. Most people would come to it and and just think this is an amazing menu. The auspices behind this organization is so cool. There's a celebrity component to it. So why not lead with that? Well, unfortunately, if they don't see that problem, they don't strike that nerve, then they don't really necessarily care about that part. And I think that's true in just about every product or service. There is a problem that has to be surfaced. And especially in the work that we do, which is very sort of uh, cold outreach driven, sort of starting relationships you know un- unlike an inbound lead who has already acknowledged that problem and is searching for a solution when you go outbound you need to make sure that they have surfaced that problem in the first place and that's the thing that we help help clients do i think really as good as anybody
1: interesting so you would you say you specialize more in outbound marketing or more in inbound Correct. yeah outbound definitely so so you have to really develop a relationship and and get some rapport before you start leading someone into that solution stage.
0: Absolutely, rapport is so important. We you know we we talk endlessly about being story driven. In order to be story driven. You have to be hyper-targeted. You have to know who you're talking to to sort of understand the environments and the problem they're in. Biotech versus big tech in the office during the pandemic, out of the office during the pandemic, two different stories, two different groups of people. Um, But the other thing besides story-driven and hyper-targeting is you, all of those things would fail if you're not conversational. You have to be approachable. You have to be worth talking back to. Um, I tell people all the time, a lot of people, uh, businesses make mistakes in doing outbound marketing, where in a sense, they're really just kind of throwing it out into the world. They're just kind of sending out white papers. They're sending out bulleted lists of things that they do great. And they just think, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. But if you really think about the people that you're talking to and try to get them to talk back to you, Try to get them engaging with you. That's where you're going to find a lot more momentum in the sales process or in any effort to start to forge a relationship to get them talking to you, learn more about them, give them a chance to learn more about you. And as human beings, inherently, we start to get to know one another and feel a connection. Um, And if there's a chance to work together from that point, it's going to blossom. Um, but it's, it's, uh, you know, so much of, of, uh, bad sales and marketing is this kind of over-aggressive, try to force somebody's hand into a contract. It just doesn't work that way. You know, we, we're all still human beings at the, at the end of the day, and we want to be approached, uh, with this element of respect. And, and I, the comparison I always give it to it is we're doing in a digital format, what a lot of people do at things like trade shows, And just imagine if you walked up to somebody at a trade show, you would choose to go to that show because you would expect your prospects might be there. You can see from their name badge a little bit about who they are, who they work for, the role that they play. And you might say, that's somebody I should talk to. Now imagine you walked up and started spouting out features and benefits and ROI numbers. They would call security because it would be so strange to have someone come walking up to you and just start shooting information at you. Instead, you'd walk up and you'd introduce yourself. You'd shake your hand. You'd give them your name. You'd start to talk to one another, be a human. And we want to do that in our campaigns, too. And I think it's so important to start the process of melting the ice is to be a human. Absolutely. And
1: that example I could see only really working if you're selling a security service and use that as a counterexample and see, <laughs> you know how security <laughs> responded to this. I wasn't see really trying to tell you that uh, I think you look for these points in the security service. And that That's you know.
0: now you want personnel around you because of people like me that can speak. Yeah, to you. exactly. So. We actually provide that service. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and, and I've always found the movie analogy The screenplay writing is being one of the roles I see in strategic thought leadership, where you're scripting out the vision of where you're taking people's thinking. That's right. And and then you got the director role where you're bringing it to life with, with media and engagement and yes. interactions, and the, but the audience role where you're seeing it from the audience's point of view, and it seems like you're really attuned to that because you realize you can't just jump, like you said, can't just jump in with a sales message, but you got to kind of see it from their point of view, listen to what they have to say, get a feeling for where their, their crunch spots are, where their bottlenecks are and getting what they want and leading them along that way. So what are the essential components that make a good story that you've been able to bring over from screenplay writing? into this context of outbound selling.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it, it it it's a few different things. You know, hyper targeting is is a really important part of it is understanding your audience. Um, you know, if you if you were writing a, a a children's comedy, you would be aware of sort of the degree of sophistication of the jokes that you you wouldn't be you wouldn't be dialing it up to a level of political humor because the kids not going to understand that. Um, right. And so you 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 would have to be thinking about your audience and what you can say to them and what can what is going to compel them. Um, it has to be familiar for them. To use that same example. A problem that serves a main character in a children's comedy has got to be something that a kid can understand and kind of get on board for and go on the ride for you can't, uh, they're not going to understand certain things that maybe a parent would understand instead and so from a sales and marketing perspective is the same thing, who is this audience what is the things that we should be saying to them to in in a sense ingratiate ourselves and and get them talking to them. you know, we, again, we always want to be sort of warm and friendly and, and conversational. We don't want to be too aggressive. And and so thinking about who are those folks and and um, even to the degree, as, as you mentioned, of sort of scripting it out of like, what's the cadence of follow-up to these people given their work environment? What's going to be too aggressive, too fast in terms of follow-up? What is a more polite cadence? Um, and from a systemization standpoint, you know, one of the great things uh, that we're able to leverage in outbound marketing is things like behavioral triggers. We can see when somebody has clicked a link and come on a, and come to a website, at which point we wanna say something a little different, script something a little different to that person because they've now been educated a little bit more. They've been on a site, on a landing page, seen other forms of media that the business might've put together. Um, and so we really want to, you know, shift the story to that person, um, and it's very powerful in that way. Um, if you think of, you know, film and television and, and concepts of things like choose your own adventure, and uh, you know. You know a, a younger generation right now using tools like like mine uh, games like minecraft and uh, a generation before with with sims is the the ability to sort of construct and put together things based on their own pacing things that interest them and that's what we want we want our prospects to have their own journey each prospect should have their own interaction with messages that should enter that should trigger something unique to that um and uh and ultimately you know, I think for the prospect standpoint, they appreciate that. They appreciate that they weren't just bombarded with messages as fast as possible, that it came to them when they had a chance to look at it. So, you know, they didn't look at it for two, three weeks. Suddenly now they're on the website. They're going to see more messages. It's convenient timing for them. So really sort of planning around the audience and what, who they are, what their environment's like and the things that are going to be important to them.
1: Well, I'm seeing some things and hearing some things in here. They're very interesting. And a couple pieces. It seems like you're not just scripting a story for them, but you're entering into their story.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is their story. So you're kind of
1: gluing your story you want to lead them to to the story they're already participating in. So you're
0: entering their world. That's right. It's it. They they are living this story, and this is where you know the interesting thing between outbound and inbound marketing is. A lot of times they've got the same problem: inbound leads versus outbound. The outbound leads that we had to we have to go and get. Either they aren't thinking as actively about it as the inbound leads who are trying to go find solutions. Um, you know, or or they're blissfully unaware. Um, but one way or the other, they are living with that problem, and and it is their story. And uh, I I tell our clients all the time: we can close deals without the recipe and formula being perfect um but when the recipe and formula is perfect Mm -hmm. what happens is you're almost doing the homework for the prospect they will respond and say things like you know i've been looking for a solution for this my boss last week told me i needed to go find something like to help us with this problem and you landed here and when that happens and it does happen for us we tell them to the point of it's their story don't tell your boss that we reached out to you. You take all the credit. You were working on this for four hours until you found us and we, and then you came and, found, and, and, and reached out to us. You be the hero. They're the hero. It's their problem. They're solving it. They're the hero of the story. So as much as we're driving a story based on conflict, they may not realize it yet. They're the main character. They're, it's their story. They're the hero of it. And that's how great stories should unfold themselves is we found the problem, we figured out a solution, and now it's solved. Um, and that's the journey
1: that seems really relevant to a lot of our listeners i understand are people like consultants their coaches yep. they're hr directors cmos marketers yep. and every people who have a need to and maybe do more outbound marketing yep. and get better at it and i was in a field for a long time in the fitness business where i had one one-on-one training studios this almost pure outbound. We had a really good selling process, but it required reaching out to people mm-hmm. and, and triggering that we use some advertising, but we use a lot of lead generation with referrals where we call on people. And then it went to something almost pure inbound where in marketing agency, the type that I've had, it's been, it's purely referral based mainly. Mm-hmm. But now things are shifting and I'm getting into other fields and really enjoying the coaching and consulting piece and realizing you got to do some outbound in that. But I'm hearing you talk about some of the same tools that I associate more. This is education for me, so I'm very intrigued in this Um, tools that I've associated with inbound marketing, like white papers. Mm-hmm. Or create white papers and you know try to do some SEO and post them on social media and wait for people to come to them. And you're you're talking about using them as an outbound tool. So how's, what's that distinction in using things like white papers for outbound versus inbound?
0: Yeah, we we, well, we when we're using resources, content, whether it's white papers, landing pages, um, case studies, anything like that, um, we refer to that as social proof. Um, we like to lead first with, um, you know, we, we, from a systemization standpoint, we want one URL in each message. Just a great kind of trick to outbound is you don't put multiple links. Um, people make a very easy mistake of here's my website and here's my Calendly link. Well, that second link just moved you into more spam folders than you would want. And so a sure. simple trick is making sure there's only that one link. So we always start with one link. And that might be a landing page, um, something about the business, something about the, the product. Um, and then once they're clicking on that, we like to leverage afterwards social proof. So the follow-up that goes to somebody who's already come to that page, that's where we like to use things like white papers, um, data that might be available, where now it's like, okay, we've got them looking, let's just layer on more information for them. So you can almost see them interacting with a preliminary set of information. And that's usually your kind of, you know, uh, doorway into like, okay, let's give them more now. Um, And and you can understand when they're ready to consume more, because you can see that they're clicking links, and therefore you trigger those follow-ups again somebody who hasn't yet clicked the first link don't layer on more information they haven't had a chance to start really looking at it so um you know we we any bit of social proof any bit of data that exists um can can be leveraged as a talking point um you don't want to necessarily lead with it and say like here's the white paper go read the white paper because we want them to talk back to us so you want that conversational tone you don't want to give them a homework assignment you want to give them the start of a conversation um and, uh, and, and we find that that's, that's where they tend to engage most uh, is in that follow-up of wanting to absorb more information.
1: Now, how much has this fallen into a coherent system that you can apply with a variety of different types of clients versus how much do you feel like you need to customize the path of the story and the media use at different touch points depending on the type of client you're working with?
0: Well, we... Uh, There's definitely certain forms of media that would be detrimental to the type of work that we do. We can't embed videos and photos and things like that because when you're doing cold outreach, spam filters are looking at you and evaluating you. Strike one is if we've never interacted with your email address before and in cold outreach, that's always going to be a hurdle. So then from that point, the scrutinization becomes... You know, are you carrying attachments and all of those things get you moved to spam? So it's really important that you're not layering in media and cold outreach. Really make it text based. Um, if you you know, it's in, I know a lot of businesses default to we need them to see this. If they need to see it, then your marketing is not strong enough yet, because if, if they if them visualizing it is the only thing that's going to make it powerful for them, that's going to fall apart. That's very weak. Um, you need to be able to strike a nerve with them emotionally that makes them want to dive into visuals and charts and other things like that. So none of that exists, none of that media exists in our outreach and that's tailored intentionally for all of our clients. Um, we have, a, a, you know, some of our clients have very visual products. We work with a company that does digital art displays. There's no visuals in those emails that are going out. You'd think it would need to be a rotating set of banners of art, it's, it's not um you know we uh, we have a, a client that uh, you know this uh, catering company does this the food that they present is amazing when you look at it on their website it's incredible presentation but if we led with those images we'd wind up in spam folders so it's really important to set ourselves up for a foundation of success and leave attached media out really make it about great writing
1: well it seems like you're almost like a sherpa guide for the adventurers to get them around the digital gatekeepers
0: Yes, for sure. That is part of everybody's world
1: in selling now is
0: how do you get it? It is. Yeah. And it's either. getting harder. It's getting harder. Look, I mean, they, from Google's standpoint, obviously the top of the mountain in terms of email, they don't want their recipients to be inundated with spam because they're going to stop using email and Google doesn't want that. So um, it's really important to them. So you have to understand why they set things up the way that they do, um, and, and all of our campaigns are GDPR compliant for that reason. There's a temptation to just pour massive amounts of leads into these campaigns, which again is very weak. If, if you believe that your marketing is so weak that it's only a question of volume, you have to hit 10,000 people to get one or two to reply. You're just not saying the right thing to the right people. Our campaigns are very small groups of people, but we know we're saying the right things. We know we're getting great deliverability. And as in any form of marketing, The game is eyeballs we need them to read we need them to look we need them to pay attention Um, and if we're going into spam folders you could say all the right things to the right people they're not going to see it um, so it is an important first thing to get into the inboxes um, and, and understand why Google and other email providers that are basically conforming to Google, to Google, why their thinking is the way it is and play within those rules. It's not a question of trying to break the rules. It's leveraging as best possible within them. Um, I use a sports analogy. If you go onto the field and start cheating, even if you do well at some point, you're going to get kicked off the field at some point. Yeah, so yeah. Go, go onto the field, play by the rules to the best of your ability so that you can stay out there.
1: Yeah, that's a great principle in general in marketing. Black hat versus white hat SEO. Black hat works in the short term, but if you align with both people's intentions for using search and the purpose of search engines, then it's resilient in the face of change as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because you're giving people value with it. So imagine people listening to this might be a coach or a consultant or a marketer and they're thinking, you know, how can I learn more about overcoming obstacles i may not have thought about this way oh, i was embedding too much in introductory emails that i was aiming to get a response from or i was trying to gain the system by sending too many at once to perhaps the wrong kind of prospect and that that's just the beginning of the story what, what other insights have you discovered as bringing your storytelling models to marketing, specifically to outbound marketing? there Are things that a typical person mm. wanting to market themselves or the company might miss?
0: You know, I, I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business uh, leaders, they have an understanding of their business from the inside out. And so it can be very easy to lose sight of what their business looks like from the outside in. Um, and so they're hyper aware of the problems that they solve and, and, and the, the value that they provide. And, uh, it can be, you can almost get lost telling yourself those things and remembering that on the outside, that person has not been working at that business 40 hours a week for the amount of years that you've put into it. They don't know the things that, you know, so to put yourself into their shoes and to, to think about the things that you would want to, uh, to to share with them and, and and do it in a manner that uh, that allows them to really be introduced to the information in a slow and steady pace. Um, you know, one of the things is is important is, is to remember that you can. You have a chance for follow-up. So you don't need to say everything at once. And you also in follow-up have, follow-up have a chance to iterate. One of the great things that we've seen, uh, one of the great examples of, of change in a campaign and is, is listening to prospects. As you start these campaigns, you start to then have the conversations and your job's not done yet because now you're starting to talk to people and you're gonna learn even more. You're gonna see it in, let's say, in in email replies, people will ask questions or even as you're having meeting, you might start to think of things and go, oh, well, all these people are asking that same question, what could I change? But when when we have our businesses that we know intimately, we get a little bit of tunnel vision as to what we do and do well and the value we think it provides listening to prospects can also help you understand the value they're seeing from the outside in. So a great example is we have a client who has a tele- has a telehealth platform that's used in physical rehabilitation. Um, so uh, it's sold into benefits packages because uh, a lot of folks in HR, are wrestling with productivity. They don't want people leaving the office for things where perhaps there could be a, a virtual consultation to do certain um, uh, physical exercises to relieve pains and joints and muscles. And for this particular client, that was their focus that they provided to us. They wanted us to focus on the time savings. You know, We prevent lost productivity. And sure, there was value to that, definitely. And it got us into some conversations. But one of those first conversations, the person, the prospect saw a different value. And she, she asked us, she said, you know, this actually affects our insurance premiums. When we have people out of the office for various ailments, um, our, our premiums go up. And so they evaluate premium impact based on things like cancers, pregnancies. Um, but thankfully, not always, but thankfully, most of the time, working aged people are not dealing with cancer as much as they are hurting themselves playing basketball on the weekends hmm. and so suddenly the amount of the lost productivity to something like cancer compared to physical rehabilitation for them it was not about the lost productivity it was the driver of the premiums and she started saying it would be interesting to evaluate how the, how the physical rehab is affecting our premiums and we realized that's the question to ask people so her question to us, we started asking to other prospects, when was the last time you evaluated how physical rehabilitation uh, is impacting your insurance premiums? Mm-hmm. And we've got, it was like a light switch. People started asking, yeah, that's a good question. How do you calculate that? How are you, well, good, let's have a meeting. We'll talk to you about it. We'll show you these things. And you you listen to your prospects. You do that outreach. You have best intentions of what you think the value, what you think the your, your story and the problem that you're solving is but you also have to listen to that voice that's coming from the outside looking in. Listen to them. They're your test audience to some degree as you start talking to them and you can make improvements in those campaigns. Don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. Don't look at your campaigns and go, it's not perfect, I'm not sending it out yet because you're not gonna be perfect until you start sending it out and start getting that feedback. So go, trial and error, listen and learn, be willing to make mistakes and be willing to optimize.
1: So it's, it's a learning loop where you're yeah. challenging your own belief systems, perhaps by what you learn from your engagement with prospects. Maybe, maybe you do you ever run into research findings when you first engage with a client and you're examining their audience? You're like, Oh, Hey, are you even thinking about this pain point? Or oh, absolutely.
0: We, you know, we provide that to clients. We have a very collaborative uh, uh, approach to the way we meet with clients and, and iterate on different campaigns and, They come with ideas initially as to who their prospect should be and the problems and and, and what they wanna say. We're giving feedback, we're ideating with them. Um, Tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator are amazing. Um, You can start looking for different personas through LinkedIn sales navigator. At the beginning, it almost feels like it's a child learning. It's kind of making mistakes, but after enough query searching, it starts to figure out what you're looking for Um, and it can start to open up your eyes into different prospects that you can be going Mm -hmm. after. And so you, you know, working with clients, working with the technology that exists for us to, to think of like, who, what are the different lanes? And ultimately, and, and when it comes to business to business sales, we do what we do for clients b2b sales clients leverage our outreach for media exposure especially given my background we do a lot of press and media outreach same thing telling the story helping them see the headline that's going to exist for their audience whether it's podcasts or uh or or blogs um we're doing outreach for media we're also doing outreach for partnerships and in partnerships there's story to be told too what is it that they're going to benefit from that and so um you know there's all different, you know, to your point of, uh, earlier, we talked about persuasion and and that's what's happening here um, is, you know, you can look at all the different types of people that you could be working with. They're different, unique problems. You'll tell different stories and all the best intentions. It's not until you start actually getting replies from them and talking with them that you're gonna figure out exactly how to get it right um, and being willing to, to absorb that feedback.
1: Well, speaking of story structures and the hero's journey type stories. Who is the one who who changes the most through the story, the hero or the villain?
0: That's right, Chris Vogler, great great uh, story theorist. and uh, it, and that's uh, that that's exactly it. The, the character should change, right? You know, a story is very boring if that character lands back where they started. We want to see that evolution of kind of who they became and them overcoming their fears and things like that. And from a marketing perspective, it's not exactly cinematic, but you know, when you when you do uh, look at it as the perspective of like, who are our heroes? What are the things that we're going to empower them with? And it really is. There is no better feeling than that example of. Of of somebody from a prospect side saying like I this I need this like I needed this I needed help with this, um you guys came along at the right time, uh, we always have a nice little chuckle about that because it wasn't a mistake we kind of figured that you had this problem and you needed this solution and let's let's close a deal and um, we've had some really exciting examples of clients doing exceptionally well. Um, every year, we're closing six-figure deals for our clients. We like to feature them on our social media. Uh, when that happens, we also close a lot of five-figure deals and other significant ones. We, we love to brag about those bigger ones. Last year, we closed a seven-figure deal. The first time in our uh, in existence of my company that uh, one of our clients secured a deal for a million dollars or more um, through, uh, through our outreach. We've also had clients get picked for programs like Techstars and Y Combinator. Most of our clients are startups. Um, and so to start to see them sort of birthing into exposure and, and, and recognition in that way uh, is is really exciting. And it's uh, it, it's validating because they were solving a problem and pe- people didn't know they were there yet.
1: Um, well, that's the thing. People don't revere marketing as much as they should because good marketing is not, like you say, just straight sales. It's developing relationships, but it's empowering people. It's, it's having the insight to help people maybe discover within themselves the ability to enrich their lives in ways they didn't think about before. It's, a, it's an empowering educational process.
0: Yeah, nobody wants to be to feel forced into a sales process to be feel like they're stuck on some conveyor belt of a sales process where they can't turn around. They want to be nurtured with information. I think every one of us from a consumer level has had both experiences. You walk into the car dealership and you feel like you can't get out the door without asking a few simple questions um, or, or the opposite where you, you know, you you wind up seeing some product and you learn more and more about it and then you finally buy it and you're so happy you did. It becomes a part of your life and it becomes something that you, whether that's a personal or business, you know, being, uh, yes, being, Responding to marketing doesn't make you a victim. Um, you are hopefully seeing something that is of value to you. Um, and, and that's you know, where I think big picture sustainable pipeline of activity is showing those people who have the problem. It's not about huge numbers and over-aggressive sales tactics. Maybe you close some quick wins in that way, but what happens to that company in five years? Are they still around? Are they still able to sell? Do they have clients who like working with them? Who What's like
1: about their long term relationship? That's where yeah. the real wealth is built, anyways, in the long term, yeah. perpetual helping relationships with customers.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, we have a a, a client um, who is also a sort of sales a, a expert, uh, more in the, from the negotiation standpoint. He works with big Fortune five hundred companies and training their staffs and. Uh, He uh, he talks about the the human element, Um, you know, when there is a level of automation that we've all had to apply to our lives. It's natural. It's technology. It's and it'll continue. We see the the you know, what A.I. is is doing to our world now Um, can't resist it. Somebody who resisted the Internet 15, 20 years ago would not be in business today. We can't resist A.I. for the same reasons. We've got to look for ways to leverage it. Um, So you have to improve, but you can't lose sight of the human element, especially in things like sales and marketing. Because if you just treat it as automation, hey, this is my prospect, they should buy it. You're going to discover that that automation breaks when the prospect doesn't buy it because there's no human connection and never more important than in business to business sales where you're looking for a sense of authority and accountability. If you're going to work with a new vendor or someone's going to come into your business from the outside. You want to know that there is somebody there that you can talk to when things aren't going well or someone who's going to work with you. Automation's not going to provide that to you. Right. you know. So it's automation to to gain conversations, but then the human part kicks in. That
1: makes sense. You know, One way I heard it described to me, there was a nice paradigm shift to reframe was it's not there's so much that you're selling you're creating a buying environment Mm -hmm. because people don't like to be sold but they love to buy things
0: yeah if you create an environment there
1: yeah create an environment full of rapport bring in the elements of the storyteller the screenplay writer and create a vivid environment where they can select what's right for them but you're there to
0: point out all the possibilities they may not have thought of otherwise yeah Yeah, people, uh, you know, I think there's certainly a school of, of sales executive and who they take this kind of aggressive, you know you know, want to keep it in front of them, almost force it down their throat type of approach. And you just, you know, you, that's not a sales environment. You might force somebody's hand, but you haven't built a pool of interest. And you build that pool of interest, that pool of trust from people where it's it, it's more of a nurturing capacity. Now you've got sustainable pipeline. People like working with you. They feel like they made the decision. You didn't make the decision for them. They made it for themselves. Right. And they're happier as a result, less buyer remorse, Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, just, you know, longer term relationships and think about the merit of importance of that outbound is important in sales, especially for new businesses that have zero brand equity. Nobody knows to even look for you. So you have to go knocking on those doors, but ultimately that should spawn referrals to other people because they've worked with you now and it starts to develop an inbound and if, if you don't have that positive relationship and you don't get that sort of networking effect that that comes from your outreach, it doesn't yield the same fruit. You want people who love working with you. You got them through cold outreach and that just so happened now they refer two or three others to you. And, and so that's, you, you have to do a good job. And it starts with day one, the first time they hear from you, um, friendly, approachable, just like you were walking up to them in person at a trade show.
1: This is awesome, a very human approach. And so a couple of things uh, to wrap things up and a way to help our listeners in the most effective way possible. If someone's listening to this and they're thinking, well, you know, Zach's onto something, maybe I need to humanize my approach a little bit. Maybe I need to look from the outside in. Maybe I need to think about how we initially engage people and treat them with respect and create this kind of environment. Um, What would be the top three things that they could do right away to re examine their approach and make a change? And the second part is how would people best reach you? Now, I'm going to put links to all this on the episode landing page, which is linked to someone's listening on a podcast app. Click the link in the description, it'll take you where all this stuff is. Uh, But what's the best way for people to listen to reach you if they're listening to this?
0: Sure. You know, I think three things that almost like a good exercise is you know, create create some buckets, you know, even start with three, those, and these are going to be your personas, make them different from one another, force yourself to make them different from one another. Uh, we have clients, sometimes they'll say things like, yeah, we want to reach marketing people, marketing people at what type of industry, marketing people at what size company, like force yourself to create some sections, some groups. So different personas, maybe three, five, whatever you're comfortable with, but a good exercise is to create personas, what company, what size company What's the role that this person plays in that company? Think creatively along those criteria, both the standpoint of the company itself and the people that that work there. And then what is the problem that that person has that you solve? And then start to think of another stakeholder in that same company who has a different version of the problem that you can solve. Because when these deals close, it's never a single decision maker. It's a fallacy in B2B sales that there's one person there's checks and balances. There's gonna be two or three people involved in the decision. They're each gonna see their own value. So it's a great challenge is to see like within the infrastructure of a company, what are a couple different people that are gonna be involved in this decision? And what is a a problem that each of them has and make them as unique as possible. Challenge yourself to not have them be the same sort of problem. What does a CFO care about this versus a CMO? What are the different values that they see? Um, And start to list out those groups and those problems, and that'll start to help you define like what is the thing that they're focused on? And then from there, what is the solution to that problem? So those are three steps, the person, the problem, and the solution. Um, And that starts to create some structure. And you do that for a few different groups and you'll see how different they can all be. And you'll see how powerful, you'll start to see from a standpoint of like, yeah, if I said that to that person, that's good, it's gonna get a reaction. You'll start to see it in that outline format. Um, We have a a website, um, thinkalikemedia.com. Um, like Great Minds Think Alike. Uh, Company name comes from the idea that people out there with a problem are thinking about that problem and people with a solution are thinking about the same problem. They just need to meet one another. Um, And so, you know, that's usually the case. Whatever business you have, whatever problem you're solving, you're solving it because out there somewhere is a prospect who's dealing with it firsthand. You got to find one another. Um, and, And that's where the name of the company comes with. Think Alike Media.
1: Excellent. This has been great. Zach, exactly. uh, it's been a very enlightening. Short education on the psychology of sales and marketing.
0: Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, you know, try to try to think deeply about it. I think you know, people say email marketing is dead. Anything is dead if you're lazy about it. So if you're really thoughtful about it, you uh, can be. It, it's a very scalable way of, 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 uh, of doing outreach. Thought Leadership Studio.
1: Listening to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant. This was an interview with Zach Guten of Think Alike Media on why great minds think alike and scripting the stories of marketing. I hope this was enlightening for you hearing about Zach's journey from screenplay writing to marketing, the art of story driven marketing the importance of identifying and addressing customer problems as a way to capture their attention, build a connection, the insights of the significance of being approachable on these first contacts with a prospect especially, and the components of a good story in the context of selling. As always, if you're listening on an app, Make sure you click the link in the episode description to go to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. There's some visual aids to the benefits that we're aiming to convey with these interviews of models of excellence designed to help you access more of your creativity, more inspiration, more solid strategies for positive large-scale influence. There's a whole library of episodes. Of these types of interviews and also episodes that are purely training for high-level skills in strategic influence. And make sure that you subscribe if you have not already. Please leave a review if you haven't already. And if and when you go to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com, make sure you get the free marketer's guide to strategic thought leadership. No cost, and it will help you organize the building blocks of your own thought leadership. I'm Chris McNeil. This is Thought Leadership Studio. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you here next week.
0: Thought Leadership Studio.